1: Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy inspires leaders to grow their companies from startup to 40 million beyond by designing world-class strategic plans and help keeping them accountable to get it done. If your company or someone you know needs to do a strategic retreat, create a strategic plan, and want to get it done the right way, contact us. Go to catch at 40strategy.com, like catching a ball at 40strategy.com. We like to have a shout out from time to time. And this one we want to do to Ron Saharian, AKA OB1, from Profit First. He's the co founder and managing director there. Ron's been fantastic, he's been a previous podcast host. And that's who introduced us to Tuesday, P. Brooks. Tuesday is an MBA, a business owner, educator, trusted tax and accounting advisor. Her company, Ajoy, is committed to improving profitability of micro and small business enterprises. Her vision is to be a catalyst for the growth of financially sound women-led companies that employ across the United States. Her keen knowledge around accounting for small business makes bookkeeping, tax compliance, credit readiness and cash flow management accessible to early stage business owners and nonprofit founders. She utilizes the profit first methodology of cash management, and she is trained and certified by profit first professionals, which is an organization that we are associated with as well. Tuesday, welcome to the Measure Success podcast. Thank you. So we obviously talked about a little bit in the intro. Tell us a little bit more about what you actually do in a day-to-day business to help out small business owners.
0: Yeah. So we consider ourselves a financial management firm and that's a fancy way of saying tax and accounting. (laughs) So, you know, our goal is to support women-led businesses in accelerating their growth. And one of the core ways they need to do that is by, of course, sound financial management, sound accounting. So we're trying to help them, you know, save time, save money by doing it right. And ultimately be able to grow, become more profitable sooner.
1: So you, you, uh, you do this throughout the United States, or more regionally, give it, cause you're, you're based. In yeah, New- we're
0: based in New York. Yep. We're based in New York. But we have clients all across the country, especially as it pertains to accounting, right? Because there's nothing new under the sun in regards to accounting and what that looks like for small businesses. Our core client, you know, women-led businesses in particular industries and with particular revenue, you know, ranges. So yeah, we, we do, we do for who we do it for and, and seek to do it really well. So then again, they can grow.
1: So what got you into this business? What came, you know, what brought you to this idea of like, we want to do this and this be a part of the business, how you're going to make a difference and dent in the world?
0: Yeah. It's so weird. You know, I, I don't think it was ever a question like it just happened. I'm from the time that I was in high school. Even I was an accounting major, and I was always drawn to business. So I don't think there was anything else that I was supposed to be doing but business. My father was an entrepreneur and and business owner, and that was just the path that I've been on for most of my life except there have been some pivots, right? I I had a stint as an educator, as a teacher with our public school system. I worked for a venture capital firm. I worked for some government agencies. So I had probably a handful of other jobs, but most of my time has been spent figuring out how to help other business owners succeed.
1: Why is accounting and taxes such a big problem for so many small businesses?
0: I, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that part out. I know it has to do with a legacy of fear, right? So a lot of times business owners are not taught financial management or good financial management before they actually go into business you know just from a per like we have to have our personal financial house in order as well and so we don't have that in order and then we go into business now we're carrying those same habits into our business so I think it's not being taught properly how to manage finances and myself included, I had to learn, you know, over time. And then, then there's the fear now. Now I'm in business and I realize I don't know what I'm doing, so I don't want to talk about it, right? So that's the next level, just not just burying our heads now. We don't even want to deal with it because we realize that we don't know what we're doing. So so it, it's a struggle because business owners have to get over the fear of knowing, admitting that they don't know and asking for You know, as long as they can cover up what they're doing and say, oh, well, I'm the only one looking at our finances, so I'll just act like everything's okay. You know, for as long as they can do that, it remains a problem and it just gets progressively worse. But once they stop and say, wait a minute, i got to get help, then, you know, the sky becomes the limit. So that's the best I've been able to come up with. <laughs> In all the years I've been
1: doing it <laughs> Well, I think that's a great explanation what you shared there. And I, I'm curious, just from your own perspective, and, and maybe you could do a rough percentage on it, you know, of the amount of people that you run into, but about how many of your clients, the business owner, not the employees, but the business owner, when you, when you do the math are barely making above minimum wage? Yeah. Ooh.
0: Well, I would say if I did a rough rough estimate, probably as much as 80%.
1: Wow. Okay. That's even higher than I expected. And yeah.
0: It, and but- well, that's because remember, so our, our core client has revenue between 100,000 and a million. Got it. Right. And they're in particular industries. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and we purposely focus on this particular client. Once you're in the three, four million, we have a couple of outliers actually there, but we grew with them. But when you're in that area, that's a very, that's a very crucial area. And a hundred thousand is so funny. A client said to me the other day. She said, "I really think the hundred thousand dollar realm is." Equivalent to minimum wage, (laughs) she said. This hundred thousand dollar, you know, party I'm in, I feel like it's minimum wage. So she had a point. So I think a lot of, and the other reason why I say this is because we're still doing too much. Even when we have enough revenue to hire, we're still not hiring. So we end up working like a dog, hours and hours. And when you Add up how much we work relative to how much we're bringing in. It's minimum wage or less. Mm-hmm. So that's you know it's it's multi multifaceted in terms of why that is. But yeah, still not enough of us are really truly profitable and paying ourselves what we're worth and what we deserve.
1: This is what I love about the profit first methodology, right? Is it helps do allocations to things that once again, for people who aren't familiar with profit first, Mike Michalowicz a decade ago, actually over a decade, you know, or nearly a decade ago, came out with the book and, and now there's hundreds of thousands of companies that are employing this, but it's a very simple framework of literally profit first, right? Because generally what happens is we put all our money to our operating expenses and pay ourselves last if we pay ourselves at all. How do you, when you're working with clients for the first time and and putting in the profit first methodology, what is their surprise when they're like, oh my gosh, I'm actually making money?
0: Well, first they have to, Come to grips with the fact that they're even supposed to be paying themselves. Oh. I can't tell you how many business owners approach business saying, Oh, I'm reinvesting in the business. No, you're not. You're not. That's not what reinvesting in the business is not paying yourself and paying other bills with the money that you would pay yourself with. So they first have to, I have to get them to the point where they understand that they should be paying themselves and, you know, paying themselves reasonably. And, and then they should follow that principle of profit first or pay yourself first, just like we did. We do in personal finances, right? We set some aside in savings. So that same concept, we can take some and set it aside as our profit and you're not stealing from yourself right? A lot of times they think that they're doing something that they're not supposed to do. No, (laughs) you are ultimately the boss. And if you want to manage your finances properly, there's certain things that we need you to do. And that is to be profitable (laughs) and take your profit first.
1: How how long is in your experience, the typical transformation from the or what I call the traditional, comp- traditional 80% of your clients, right? That are making minimum wage or less. They're making, and just to clarify, when I make this statement, it's not like they don't have sales. Correct. Right. They have sales and service of 100000 a, a to a million dollars. So they yeah. actually have a, what I call, we call a business, yes. right? However, what's actually going into their own pocketbook is, once again, it's, it's, it's very small. How long does it typically take that transformation in your experience with the clients that you've been with from complete skeptic doubt and books are a mess mm-hmm. <laughs> right? to they're getting the proper profit allocation according to the size company that they are?
0: Yeah, I haven't, without clientele, I haven't actually tracked this, but if I had to take a wild guess, I would say it's as much as somewhere between four and five years.
1: Wow. No kidding. Mm -hmm. No kidding.
0: Yeah, because you start off with a very small allocation Mm -hmm. and, and get comfortable with that first, you know, and then can gradually, gradually increase it. And the reason why it'll take longer with our clients is because Right, we're whipping them into shape just in terms of their accounting first. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's other things that we're working on simultaneously to get their comfort level up, Mm -hmm. which is how this is supposed to operate. So while that seems like a long time, I think that's the good news because we have some businesses that don't do any of this, don't implement any of this, and they go out of business, right? Mm -hmm. Year five, they're out of business. Mm -hmm. So at least we can say... By year four or five, now they're feeling profitable. They get it. They have accounting. You know, they're minimizing their taxes because their accounting is is boss because we're doing it. They have what we call pretty financials, (laughs) which is accurate, organized, and timely. So, yeah, it's a process. Mm
1: -hmm. So you said something interesting there of of the minimize taxes, but there's an important part there. It's okay to be paying taxes.
0: Absolutely. And that's what I tell it is when I talk about this, I have a very unpopular is a very, I have a very unpopular opinion about it, or actually advice It's not even opinion I, because I, I know I'm right. (laughs) So, So pay your taxes, paying taxes is an indication of a growing business, right? When your taxes are higher, that it likely means, if you have good tax accounting, it likely means that your profit is higher. That's one of our foremost metrics that we should be following and somewhat proud about. I know it gets painful with more taxes and once our businesses get to a point where they're super profitable, and they're paying a lot of taxes, then that's when we have the conversation about strategy and we actually enlist the services of tax strategists and planners and we get them you know, where they need to be in terms of now be proactively minimizing their taxes and managing that better. But until that, you know, they're at that point, I, I need them to understand that they should be paying taxes And yeah, because that is, if you're, if you, so when I say minimize, I mean, I don't want you to pay a penny more than your portion, right? I want you to pay what your portion is, because we all get a receipt from the government saying, okay, you have, this is your portion, right? So I want them to pay that, I don't want them to pay any more, And that's why the accounting has to be accurate, but I do want them to pay. And yeah. and it's and it's as simple as that because that's how we're gonna you're gonna really be able to track how well your business is doing.
1: There, there's um, such a fascinating misunderstanding I think with business owners of this desire. Just to clarify, you should be try, You should be paying the minimum allowable taxes per, uh, according to law, right? So the, the goal is never to, to overpay. So that that's silly, right? But you are not. Profitable. If you're not a profitable business, you, you that's why you're not paying taxes, is because you're not a profitable business at the end of the day. Profits, which means is you have a successful, sustainable business, right? That can last in the long run. And it's the top one, two, three, four, five, ten percent of people that are actually supplying the majority of taxes to fund our government services. Yeah. <laughs> It is our, it is our, if you may, I would argue, it's our duty to be successful, to help continue the success so we can actually continue, right? To not pay things and not to pay ourselves. See, this is like the funny two things. Not only should we be paying ourselves, but we should be paying taxes, which is a sign of success.
0: Correct. And, but that's why profit first is so valuable too, because you ease into paying your taxes, right? Because you're setting the money aside all the while. You're not waiting and filing your return at the beginning of the subsequent year and now you've got this big you know, debt and it's painful because you didn't save any money for it. But the fact that you're setting money aside for taxes and if you're really doing it the way you're supposed to, you're making your quarterly estimated deposits Right. You're tracking your revenue because if you have a spike and you need to deposit more than what you initially thought, now you're increasing your your deposits. So all of that happening is what leaves businesses in a good place. Right. When it comes tax time and, you know, for them not to feel the burden of tax in the same way that other businesses who are not doing this feel it. Yeah, so it, I'm in total agreement with you.
1: It, what's so interesting is because you said something that's super interesting if it if isn't for the tax account. Right. So and for those who aren't following fully, there are literally bank accounts we create under profit first that are separate. We create a separate profit account at a separate bank and we create a separate tax account at a separate bank. The reason why we do that is we try to hide it for lack of a better term. So we don't go into the cookie jar right and to actually pull that money back out, because what happens when when. So many small businesses they'll finally be successful, quote unquote, and then they'll reinvest, but they were already profitable and they actually owe taxes. Right. And 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 those get and so they they run into this. Oh my gosh, but if the if they put money aside and they lay the proper money aside and they do it right, they'll actually have a little bit of extra because they've been a little bit conservative in that process, right? And so it's, they're not fearing April 15th anymore or, or March right. 15th, depending on what type of company they are, you All know, right. on a regular basis. So I, I love I, mean, I appreciate you doing like how long it sometimes can take for these rationale. What is the fastest you've seen, you know, who's somebody who just like got it, you know, like just from like they 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 came to you because of they're like they finally recognized they needed help, you know, for some reason. And, and, so they, they went to you, what's, what's kind of the fastest you've seen of somebody who's like figured it out very quickly of meaning they want to implement it. Once they understood it, they implement it right away. And they've had like early success.
0: Right. So we've had, we've had some businesses, I would say a handful that have implemented, implemented it right away after, you know, we've gone through the whole process, you know, and i did the consultation with them and explained it and so forth. But I feel like it's sort of cheating because they were all, they had already heard about it and was Mm -hmm. sort of sold on it, you know, already. And that, you know, and that's why they brought it up and it's like, I want to do this, you know, so I can't really, you know, measure, you know, that part of it because, S- several had heard about it and wanted to do it and then we had some businesses that came to us and already had implemented they had all of their separate accounts and everything already they were already using it but they didn't necessarily have accounting in place so now they had to you know manage so they're coming to us now I gotta manage this piece because I have all of these accounts I'm following profit first but yeah I, from accounting perspective or bookkeeping perspective, even I'm not, you know, sure I'm on top of it the way I should be.
1: Yeah, it, it's 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 interesting because profit first is simple, but there is a little bit more complexity by by definition, right? Because we're no longer using one checking or savings account anymore, and and so to have a bookkeeper team, a profit first trained professionals to help out with the process, it it enables you to do it without. Being bogged down by it, but actually accelerate what you're supposed to be doing, which is growing your business. You know, but using the tools of profit first to be successful. We we shouldn't be worrying about our bookkeeping if that makes sense to 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 measure on a regular basis. What do you? What is the biggest surprise you see with your businesses when they kind of have that aha moment? What what you know? What's like the normal reaction when they're just like, wow, this is amazing.
0: Unfortunately, it it still takes a while before they're truly happy
1: because
0: no wow. now yeah now they have a fear of what's going to go wrong because they're making money they're managing their accounting right they having us manage it for them so they're clear on that they're following the principles of profit first and so things are going too well so then they're like i don't know if i can continue if i can be re- Repeat this. How much of this is luck? You know, what I don't know what next year is about. I make every client, I make them set a goal, a financial goal, right? When we're in our one on one end of year consultations. And they always hem and haw around me. Well, I don't know this year. And I'm like, oh my God, say a number. And I I need it to be more than this year. You're growing. And you know, this is this is the least it will ever be. I need you to think positively. So yeah. So then they they start to have fears. So we're, you know, we're we're managing. I'm helping them manage this, this idea of business growth, you know.
1: Isn't that so fascinating? You run your business for years without money, happily. I half joking that, right? Yep. It's uh-huh. mindset, right? All of, of, of like, they don't want to lose it now. They're, they're like, they're trying to hold onto it like a, a pot of gold and hide it underneath the covers when they don't realize when they have a life of abundance, think of a mindful, they, they can continue to grow that pot even bigger and bigger. Yeah. But it just takes time. You're right. It takes, it's a, a little bit of, if you may, psychosurgery.
0: It does. <laughs> to, yeah.
1: To, to overcome that. How do you measure? I'm kind of curious in, in your business, and perhaps you could measure it in terms of your clients. How do you measure how do you measure success?
0: How do I measure success? Well, you know I tend not to think of that far-reaching thing like when we attain this you know we'll be successful or this is what I consider successful in the long term. I actually dwell in it dwell in it every day. So as long as I can get up every morning, and brew my coffee <laughs> and sit at my desk and have an impact on someone, I consider that successful. Honestly, you know, the fact that I've been able to stay in business, you know, we're at 13 years now, 1 14 years, and whether that is answering a question in an email, or, you know, facilitating a workshop or one-on-one consultation or even the advocacy work, you know, I do with meeting with representatives about small business, whatever that is, doing it on a daily basis to me feels really successful. That's awesome. Yeah. All
1: right, Tuesday, you have a really neat thing that you have, you're involved with. You, you have been hiring and working with, with developing professionals in Africa. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there.
0: Yeah. So this, this came to me in one of my moments of of fear, like, oh my God, you know, there was a time when, when we, every time we got a new client, I would cry instead of being happy because I was feeling over, you know, overwhelmed and that I was losing capacity to to, to work with everyone, you know, who, who was engaging us. So I, I got this idea. I said, I have to train more. My frustration has been with bookkeepers who are, don't know how to do it in the way that we needed them to do it. So there's an, a joy way. And I said, okay, I need to just train. What am I thinking about? If I train young women, and it's, it's going to be young women because our clients are women for the most part of course we have male clients but we focus on them and I'm all about you know women empowerment so young ladies if I train them on how to do bookkeeping the enjoy way then we can hire them and help us build our capacity. So that's how it started. And I had the idea to do it offshore because I learned midway through my business that that's how all of the big accounting firms operate, right? They have a team offshore. So I said if they can do it, I can do it. And that has, you know, that has supported our growth as well. So I we identified partners in Africa. And that worked with young ladies that were in high school and college. And we 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 rolled out our first cohort and they learned and created a curriculum. They learned US business, the basics of US business, they the basics of US tax, the basics of bookkeeping and accounting. There's an administrative component, you know, communication. I mean, we have our dean of the academy, it's called the Pennyway business academy and that the dean of our academy is amazing he works with these young women and so our ultimate goal is of course to have them work with us and for them to start their own businesses too like i would love to see some of this some of them turn this opportunity into bookkeeping businesses where they can support other businesses here in the u.s or at home in africa so yeah so yeah. super exciting to be able to to see it actually materialize.
1: And uh, it's super exciting. I love what you're doing there and, and what a neat cause and a win-win opportunity, right. You know, for, for people who are connected with that. So you have a lot going on Tuesday in terms of your business life and expanding. And you talked about, you're an advocate. So you, you mentioned on that side, you're working to help uh, on the government side, as you mentioned on that part, how, how, how do you keep everything balanced? What type of habits are you doing on a consistent basis to keeping yourself moving and and delivering your best?
0: Ooh, okay, what kind of habits? Well, I always always have a prayer in my mouth, right? So I don't just pray in the morning, it's all day long. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Even when, you know, I try to remain really grateful you know, and mindful to be grateful, even when it feels like things are falling apart around me. (laughs) You know, I I always remain very grateful. And then, you know, outside of that, self-care, right? I I have a personal trainer. So he comes here several times a week. I am, my self-motivation is not enough. So I need someone literally here (laughs) kicking my butt. i I have a steam sauna, a portable steam sauna in a New York City apartment, okay? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's that. You got one
1: of the infrared um, ones? Do you have the infrared?
0: Yeah, I don't have the infrared. My son actually has the infrared one in his apartment up at school. He's in college. And he has a steam sauna and an infrared. So it's crazy. I don't, I, I, I ran out of space. So I just have the steam one. But yeah, it's things like, I and I have, I also have a a personal chef who meal preps for me because, you know, with this being in a tax, you know, industry, you know, tax prep and stuff, you know, there's times of year where we're time of the year where we're working long hours and it gets ridiculous and we forget to eat and all of that. So I've learned how to manage that better because my eating habits go off the rail if I'm left to my own devices. (laughs) So I got meal prep. So I just put things those of my, I just put things in place that I know is going to help me stay on track just in terms of my health and wellness. And yeah, and I, you know, I admit that I need help in those areas. I wouldn't if I was left to do it by myself, it wouldn't be pretty.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I love that though, but you got your faith component side, which you started with. You've got your 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 exercise component with your body, you know, you've got your other health, you know, mental side that your things you're doing on a regular basis. You got the food component, right? Yeah. You know, I think that's brilliant to have all these different parts, which is enabling you to be the best, what you could do at your core, right? Job and functions. And and I know I appreciate you sharing that. So I'm kind of curious when you know things are like working well, how do you measure success of that in your personal life?
0: Mm-hmm. By how many times I can go get on the boat in a week.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I love that.
0: So however many times that is, that's how I measure success. If it's once, that's not successful.
1: That is awesome. And where do you go? Where do you typically go out in the boat?
0: Out on Long Island. You know, I'm in New York. So, you know, Freeport, East Rockaway, you know, that whole Long Island area. Yeah. If I can do that, I'm feeling successful. Yeah. Yeah, Especially because we have a, a fairly short boating season, you know, up here in the North. So I have to be able to take advantage of it. And yeah. so. I think I think that's primarily it.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, how can people I oh forgive me, let me pull back. What's a book that you would recommend for our audience?
0: Yeah, one of one book that I found really interesting and I think that more people should read is The Myth of Multitasking by mm-hmm. David Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's a subtitle, it's how doing it all gets, gets nothing done. I'm telling you, it was an eye opener for me because, you know, there was a time when we were all taught that multitasking is a. Is, is a fantastic thing, skill to be able to have, and you want to put that on your resume, right? Ability uh, to multitask, but that could not be further from the truth. So I need everyone to read David's book. There's actually an ec- exercise in there that you can do that shows you how not good it is to try to multitask to do, do more than one thing you know at the same time so yeah that that would be my recommendation
1: thank you i appreciate that suggestion and i i'm holding up my my phone in my hand right now cuz that by the way folks is one of the worst interruptions in our effective focus focused my brother recently was with a new company and they they don't basically allow for access to the internet for the majority of the day. And he, he like kind of softly whispered, he said, I haven't been this productive in a decade.
0: Yes. Yep. So yeah. so
1: interesting, isn't that? Yeah. Super-
0: yeah, multitasking is not a good thing. Having the phone constantly by you is not a good thing. I tried to take a staycation, I think it was two tech seasons ago or one, I think it was 21. And I wanted to turn off all electronics. And I went, I checked into this beautiful hotel here in New York. Do you know, part of the reason is because we were, what, touchless or whatever due to the COVID, but I literally needed my phone to do everything, like to check the menu at the restaurant, you know, to to you know to get it. I, it was just so annoying because I call myself wanting to turn anything off, but literally everywhere around the hotel, I needed my phone to do stuff. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> so it's hard, you know. You find yourself in cir- circumstances where you can't really turn it off. You know, now even traveling you know if i take a car you know i gotta i gotta have the app to to schedule the car i mean it's just the worst but
1: (laughs) we'll make it work (laughs) that is i i know i Love that analogy and the reality, right? Of how difficult it is to disconnect. You really have to make a concerted effort to to be focused, and, and it's yeah. never the distractions today have never been greater, right? In in terms of societal impact and, and our effectiveness to be great at what we do. And being great at what we do is not how quickly you respond to your email or your text message. By the way, folks, sorry to break your hearts. So those who are listening, no, that's not true. Yeah. No, actually, it, it yeah. actually is true. It um, yeah, actually is true. Focus, yeah.
0: do one thing great, and then get to the next thing.
1: Yeah. Yep, for sure. So how can people, Tuesday, learn more about you and connect with you?
0: Yeah. So I would love to connect on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, you know, it's Tuesday Brooks. It's Tuesday P Brooks. You know, there's up Tuesday Brookses in the world. So <laughs> that's why I'm Tuesday P Brooks. And so that's LinkedIn. And then you can certainly follow us. The handle is at a joy worldwide so it was a joy a j o y worldwide on all of the platforms so you know facebook instagram twitter we're a joy worldwide yeah
1: that's awesome and i appreciate you bringing up the why you put the p that's why i put the j if you're familiar there's a famous carl cox dj and and when i first set up my first twitter account i had all these people who are huge DJ fans. And I was like, oh boy, I I, <laughs> I mean, I like music, but I'm not a DJ and I'm certainly not a famous DJ Carl Cox. So that's where it's Carl J. Cox. So that is why we do that, folks. It's not to be special. It's because we have to be found. Oh, on- right. Yeah.
0: That's
1: right. That's right. We will not be found. On the internet if we don't have an independent name there. So Tuesday, it has been a joy to have you on the Measure Success podcast today.
0: I love that. It's been
1: a joy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and that was no pun intended. And I love it how that worked out very well. Uh, yeah, to everyone else's <laughs> else listening, wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.